0: Welcome to Strange Talk. strangers welcome to another this week in crime uh this week in crime for new listeners is basically it happens every wednesday it's a segment where i bring you interesting weird strange funny or downright fucked up news stories from around the world or good old america and i just kind of discuss them and tell you about them so you learn something new and fucked up about the world uh but before i get into this week in crime i have an interesting case um that I have for you um, it's been kind of talked about recently uh, because it's a uh, brand new it came to Netflix it's a documentary it's a true crime documentary of a particular case that happened um, to a young girl named Jan Roberg and to be completely honest with you this is my opinion and I'm sorry if you don't agree with it but that's why it is an opinion you don't have to agree with it. Um, but having said that after watching the documentary and i'll give the details as to why i came to this conclusion with my opinion after watching the documentary uh the documentary is called abducted in plain sight if i didn't say the title already but the parents honestly should have never uh, and she even goes on to say that she forgives her parents and she even she kind of understands maybe their mindset which i guess granted giving the benefit of the doubt but uh because back then it we weren't because this took place in 1974 when all this happened so the 70s and the 60s and everything we were barely i mean it wasn't until the 60s that we even came up with the term serial killer you know serial killer was a new term created in 19 in the 1960s um in 1974 and the 1960s and then you know leading up to 1970. We weren't really too aware, we were very trusting people, and I think we were very naive back then. Uh, Especially about, um, you know, evil people's intentions, especially dealing with children. So, granted, I could give them benefit of the doubt of that, but you'll see why I still think that the parents are fucking dumb. (laughs) I'll be completely honest. I kind of, I feel mainly bad for the child, Jan Roberg who had to be, you know, subjected to what she was, the sexual abuse that she was subjected to. I personally feel the parents are responsible too, and the fact that Child Protective Services never got involved—it's, I'm just astounded. It's, I'm fucking like, it's mind-boggling. It, like, it's crazy. Um, but to give you a little bit of the background of the story, uh, go watch the documentary if you want, like, the full deep dive. Because I'm only going to give you as much as this article gives me, which I found from Idaho State. Um, But so here, here we go. (laughs) I'm just saying the parents, before I get into the the article, I'm sorry. I know I keep jumping back and forth, but before I get into the article, the reason why I think the parents are dumb is because they should have never got, they should have never done this documentary, but kudos to them to finally bring the truth out maybe. But it just really puts them in a not very good light. It doesn't paint them well. It was supposed to be a fun day of horseback riding on a warm autumn day in 1974. Instead, 12-year-old Jan Broberg said she found herself with her arms and legs strapped to a bed, fading in and out of consciousness. She later found out that she had been drugged. Sometimes the young Pocatello native would would wake up and find that she was unrestrained. During those occasions, a small intercom device next to her pillow would report that her favorite foods were in a nearby refrigerator. However, the door leading out of the room was always locked. The intercom would also explain to Broberg what was going on, but the explanations made her even more confused. They identified themselves as aliens from a dying planet, she recalls. They said that they had been watching her since she was born and she had been chosen to be impregnated with a child who would save their planet. They called me the female companion, not knowing what they meant by that, and I would be given further instructions when I met the male companion. For the few times Broberg was awake, she tried to make sense of her surroundings by looking out a nearby window. She surmised she was in some kind of moving vehicle. All I could see was desert with cactus-looking plants, she said, I would just go in and out of a very deep sleep. Then after about three days, Roberg awoke to find the vehicle was no longer moving. The intercom instructed her to go to the front of the vehicle. She opened the now open door leading out of the room to discover she had been in a motorhome over the past few days. As the confused and terrified young girl maneuvered around the vehicle, trying to make sense of her surroundings, she discovered a horrifying sight. Her adult companion on the proposed horseback riding trip from a few days earlier was lying on the motorhome's couch with his eyes closed, covered in blood. His name was Robert Birchtold, and he was a best friend of the Broberg's parents. She shook and woke Birchtold, who appeared dazed and confused about the whole situation as well. Soon afterward, the intercom in the front of the motorhome revealed more information about the mission. was advised by the aliens that he was the male companion and that he needed to impregnate the 12-year-old Broberg so the baby could be born and save their dying planet. The eerie voice came coming through the device didn't mince words about the seriousness of the mission as the so-called aliens called it. I was told to do whatever I was told to do, no matter how awful it was, Broberg said. They said if I didn't do this, my father and I would be killed. My sister Karen would go blind, and my sister Susan would be kidnapped and take my place as a female companion. The only thing I was thinking about was just protecting my family. That's when the rape and molestation began, and it went on over the course of the next month. What the young Broberg did not know at the time was that this whole bizarre situation, from the intercom with the pre-recorded messages, to the motorhome, to the story about the aliens and their dying planet, was all just a sophisticated ruse for Birchtoll to brainwash the young girl and sexually abuse her. Up until the kidnapping at the age of 12, Broberg describes her childhood in Pocatello as a wonderful and idyllic. Her dad owned Atkin Flores while her mother was a homemaker. Jan had two younger siblings named Karen and Susan who she jokingly said she'd boss around like any big sister would. The sisters often rode their bikes to the Bylow market and bought penny candy. Then they'd head out to the old raquette club to go swimming. Then they would talk about anything and everything. It was pretty much like Ozzie and Harriet, or leave it to be there, Jan said. Then one day at their Mormon church, Jan's parents befriended a man who had moved into a neighborhood about two blocks away from the Broberg household. The man was birchtold who, like Jan's father, was a small business owner who was also named Robert. Birchtold had a wife and multiple young children of his own. Before long, the two families were inseparable. They had all the fun toys we didn't have, like a boat, snowmobiles, a trampoline, Jan recalls. A close friendship ensued. Jan became particularly close to Birchtold, who she describes as her second father. She and the other children affectionately called him by his nickname, Brother B. There was this tremendous amount of trust, Jan said, noting that Berchtold was well-loved and well-respected by many members in the community at the time. Never in our wildest dreams did we think he was planning the perfect crime. On October 17, 1974, Berchtold asked Broberg if she wanted to go horseback riding with him. Not too long after that, Broberg found herself tied to the bed of the motorhome. It was in the middle of the night on November 23rd, 1974, when police officers stormed the motorhome and arrested Birchtold. At that point, Jan had been missing from Pocotello for over a month. It took the FBI, in conjunction with police in Mexico, to locate her. During their investigation, authorities learned that Birchtold had taken her to the small Mexican resort town of... (laughs) Fucking, I'm Mexican, I can't even say that word. (laughs) mazatlan mazatlan it's m-a-z-a-t-l-a-n fuck i'm so white along the pacific coast we'll just leave it as mazatlan (laughs) mexican authorities took both jan and birch to a nearby person uh prison person mexican authorities took both jan and birch to a nearby prison he was put into a prison cell and she was put in a small interrogation room I didn't know what was happening, Jan recalls. I didn't speak Spanish at the time. Luckily, a couple of LDS missionaries serving in the air were able to translate. They notified Jan that her parents were coming to pick her up within the next 24 hours. As they spoke to the terrified young girl, she gobbled down food from McDonald's that the missionaries had brought to her. It was the only food she had eaten in more than a day. While Jan was taken back to the southeast Idaho by her parents. Birchtoll remained at the prison until he was extradited back to the U.S. to face kidnapping charges. However, Jan said his punishment was not severe. Basically, he pleaded that he had a mental deficiency and had some sort of mental, mental breakdown, Jan said. Robert spent a few months in a mental hospital, and that was it. He had been charged with... He hadn't... He had... If he had been charged with any sexual crimes against Jan, he most certainly would have faced a much stiffer penalty, including a long-sentence prison. However, the young girl was not going to reveal to anybody the details of the sexual abuse she had been subjected to. That's because the so-called aliens who spoke to her through the intercom knew how to keep her quiet. The aliens told me that my family would be harmed if I ever told anybody about my mission, Jan said. They also said my family would be harmed if I didn't save myself for the male companion. Unfortunately, Jan wouldn't have to wait too long for the male companion to return. For obvious reasons, once Robert Birchtold was released from the hospital, he was not allowed anywhere near the Broberg household in Pocatello, but that didn't stop him from making contact with Jan Broberg. On multiple occasions over the next year and a half, she would receive handwritten notes from other children while attending her junior high school. The notes featured instructions telling her to go to a specific payphone at a certain time after school and wait for a phone call. The obedient young teenager followed these orders. When I would pick up the phone, it was always either told or the aliens on the other end. Always reminding me about completing my mission, Jan said. Jan said the handwritten notes were written by told who would then bribe one of her classmates to pass it on to her. Then one night in August of 1976, Birchtold appeared at Jan's bedroom window and told her to put her belongings in a backpack and write a note indicating she was running away. Then they entered his Lincoln Continental and left Idaho and traveled to California. To keep her away from her parents, he then enrolled her in a Catholic boarding school in Pasadena, according to Jan. He had a manipulative way of keeping any inquiry authorities away from the school, even forging numerous convincing papers indicating that he was his daughter. That she was his daughter. That's a typo by by the article. He told the nuns that he was a CIA agent who barely escaped from Lebanon with me and that my mother had been killed, she said. He also said that people were looking for him and that he needed the nuns to protect him. Protect me and him, I mean. He would come back on the weekends to take me away from the boarding school and do his dirty work to me. However, the FBI did eventually find Jan, despite some resistance at first from the school's administrators who were unaware of Birchtold's true identity. She was taken back to Pocatello by the authorities. At that point, she had been kept in the boarding school for over three months. However, because she was listed as a runaway, she was booked into the ban. Bannock County Jail for one night upon her return. Jan's eventual reunion with her mom at the end of 1976 was far from loving. It was one of the worst day of my mother's life. Jan recalls, instead of hugs and kisses and crying, I just walked through the back door, and saw my mother standing at the kitchen sink, and without a word, I walked past her and down the stairs to my bedroom. It was far away from family as I could get. Mary Ann, Jan's mother, later remarked that there was nothing left of her daughter after the second kidnapping. The vivacious and happy and adoring girl she once knew was gone. With Birchtold now <laughs> removed from the Broberg's lives for good, the only thing Jan could think of was how the aliens were going to harm her family members for failing to complete her mission. Brainwashing techniques and psychological manipulation are tools often used by abusers to keep their victims quiet and obedient. The abusers will often craft a bogus storyline that is familiar to the victim. So, one thing that I notice that this article is not explaining, I mean, maybe it's going to explain it more. (sighs) Okay, I'm just going to get into because this article... It's not saying it. So, she was abducted two times. Okay? She was abducted two times. After the first time, the reason why there weren't any charges pressed against him, why there wasn't any charges, you know, pressed against Robert Birchtold or B, we're going to refer to him as B because that's what they refer to him a lot in the documentary, was because he was friends with... Jan Broberg's parents. Um, I don't remember their names, but he was both friends with the mother and father, with uh the mother and father of uh, Jan. And you know, they were often close, they would hang out a lot. But Jan's mother, um actually prior to Jan's mother, Jan's father, uh one day, in the documentary he goes on to say this. One day they were driving around hanging out and Robert pulled over and I don't know how the conversation got into it but somehow they got into a conversation where they talked about, you know, experimenting. And Robert Birch told well, B told Jan's father, like, you know, sometimes I'm so stressed that sometimes I just need a relief. I need to be relieved. And he unzipped his pants and pulled out his dick. And he b told jan's father you know why don't you release me and jan's father decided okay and he fucking gave him the old old (laughs) old-fashioned i hate to be so crude about it but yeah he did he gave him a good old-fashioned good old shaking hands beating that meat type of thing but and in the documentary jan's father after having said that story he says that was one of the biggest mistakes i ever made in my life and i felt embarrassed and he started crying and so that happened so after that incident robert bridge told was starting to become very close to jan's mother and like i said this article doesn't say that they're just i'm not saying that you know what robert burchtall did is okay i'm not trying to say that at all he's a fucking pedophile and he should be in jail Then i don't think he's even alive anymore i think he is he's but he no he died i think actually i think killed himself but anyways yeah that's in the documentary too so it's, i mean fuck i'm not really spoiling it for you. you know your ass is gonna watch it anyways um but <laughs> i'm just saying that so the mother he becomes very close with the mother they're flirting they're you know. Doing their little sweet nothings and everything. And B, he decides to call Jan's mother to come over one night. They come over, she comes over, and she says something, something. You know, he asks her, you know, let me, if we can go camping with your daughter. uh, If she can just come camping with me, just me and her. And the mother at first says no, but then he says, you know what, there's something. And something leads to them conversating about, you know, I've always had these strong feelings for you. And the mother ends up sleeping with Robert, with B. She ends up fucking B. Okay? And the reason why they didn't press charges on B the first time he abducted their daughter was because of what they did with B. How the father jerked off B and how the mother slept with B. Because when he was still in Mexico, he had called them. I don't know if he was in Mexico or if he if he was extradited by at that point, but I know he did call them and he said, you know what? I'm gonna need you to not put press these charges against me, because if you do, it's gonna come out that I slept with you. And then he told the father the same thing. If you if you do, I'm gonna be forced to tell them that you fucking jerked me off. I mean, not in those words, but you know. And the parents Honestly, they say that's not the reason why, but you could fucking even tell because even the FBI, this I think it, he's a CIA agent or FBI agent that, was on, that worked on this case even said for some stupid reason, the parents did not press charges. And I think it was because they were embarrassed about what they did with Robert Birchtold with B. And it's the honest truth. They did not want the truth to come out that the mother fucked B and that the father jerked off be as well and it's a sad thing because the daughter was fucked up from being molested by this fucking criminal scumbag and the parents let it happen so after they did not press the charges they had to go into the court and they had to sign a document stating the reasons why they weren't going to it didn't say that they didn't want they just said that they allowed him to take the daughter the article is really biased and they're not, I, maybe they don't want to misalign the parents, but buddy, let's misalign the parents because I don't feel bad whatsoever for the parents because they go on there and they cry. And yeah, I know it's your daughter, but they let every bit happen. You have to watch this documentary, guys, because just know that I'm not an asshole. They really did fuck up with their parents they're partly to blame they they are part they are half to blame for every bit of what happened to their daughter so after the first time they kidnapped they dropped the charges they didn't press any charges on him they went into the court they signed the papers after that b it b is told by the police that he is not allowed to be around the parents they didn't get a restraining order but by law he's not supposed to be around them because although they dropped the charges they just told him, hey, stay away from this family. And the CIA agent, FBI agent, I forgot what his name is, in the documentary. He's in the documentary too. He told him, don't, I know you dropped the charges. I'm not going to ask why, but I know you dropped the charges, but make sure you keep your daughter away from him. Don't let your children play with his children. Don't let your wife like see him. Don't, nobody see anybody. It is like they don't exist, and that's it. But for some reason, Robert got to the wife and said, you know, I still think about you. And the wife was like, oh my God, just getting all fucking hot and bothered. And he still, she still let him see the daughter. And not only that, after he supposedly, after this whole incident, he had to go to get weekly therapy. And when he did, when he did, he supposedly told the father and the mother, okay. He told Jan's father and mother, hey, you know, the doctors said that because I have, I'm, I'm a sick man, I'm sick, and I have these um, awful thoughts. But they said, for me to cure it, I have to be alone with your daughter in the room, and I have to lay next to her on her bed. Will you allow me to do that? And they both agreed. <laughs> they both fucking agreed. <sighs> this is what I mean. I'm not joking. This really happened. Watch the documentary, guys. I can't stress it enough. Watch the fucking documentary. But they both agreed. They both agreed to let him lay with their daughter without them present in the room. And lay next to her. And you know what he would do? He would lay next to her. He wouldn't, I don't know if he would touch her. I wouldn't doubt he didn't touch her. He probably fucking did touch her. But you know what he would do is he would bring the recorder with the alien tapes, the supposed aliens, and play it for her to let her know that it's still, the mission is still going on. So finally, he abducts her for a second time. Okay. And when he does, he brings her to, like I said in the article, what it said about bringing her to the to the fucking uh, Catholic church or whatever church he brings her to. It's an all-girls school. And he brings her there, um after they do it the second time, they still don't really press any charges you You have to see this documentary, guys, because it is fucking crazy, and i i'm sorry i'm probably an asshole maybe i'm not i don't think I am please watch it watch it, everybody i can't stress it enough it's a good documentary, but i'm telling you you will get mad at the parents for what they do because not only did the fuck fa- and maybe i 'm a dark asshole because i i won't admit I have dark sense of humor. But there's a scene where uh, the father's talking to the parents after, I mean, talking to the documentary crew about the second time he kidnapped her. He was like, I was so, when I found out he took my daughter for the second time, I was so livid. I was so mad. And I jokingly said to my (laughs) fiance while we were watching it. He probably he was probably so mad that he went out he went out probably jerked off the next door neighbor because he was so mad. I know I'm probably a horrible person, but it's fucking true. He's just, I'm sorry, I just feel they're just stupid. I mean, yeah, granted, we live in a time where we're more aware about people's dark intentions when it comes to our children. But I'm a person who has a child, and never in the right fucking. mind. I don't care what year it is. You don't let a stranger. I don't care how cool you are. I wouldn't be comfortable with a stranger to just be alone in a room with my daughter, regardless of whatever mistake I made with them or whatever. I'd rather just my daughter's safety comes first. And that's fucking stupid. These people, these parents are fucking stupid. And anybody who disagrees, you're free to disagree with me. And I can't imagine the sense and the, like, they're just their train of thought at the time when this was going on. But I don't feel bad in any form. I feel bad mainly for Jan for having to put up with this. She forgives her parents and she's stronger than me, but I would have not forgiven my parents because they allowed it to happen and she goes on to even say that in the documentary that she forgives her parents but guys i can't stress enough watch the documentary because it's fucking crazy it's on netflix right now and the documentary is called abducted in plain sight it is an interesting case fucked up case and they let it go on for a long time and and barely i think it was in 2014 that either 2004 or 2014 they were still going to court for this stuff. Um, and then I think he took his life in 2014, I believe. Either 2004 or 2014, But uh, Robert Birchfield. But go and watch the documentary, guys, so you get the full story, get the full scoop of everything, because it's a fucking crazy one. So <laughs> that's the case of uh, Jan Broberg, ducted in plain sight. Now let's get on to uh, this week in crime. <sighs> God damn fucking dumbass parents. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just fucking... Good. So the first uh, article comes from... And of course, uh, none other... These articles were sent to me by none other than the legend, the man himself, Rocky the Collector, who sent me an awesome fucking Killer Clown shirt. And thank you very much for sending me that. It's fucking awesome. You're awesome, dude. Keep being awesome. If I had 10 more listeners like Rocky the Collector, I'd be the happiest fucking person in the world. So... <clears throat> Let's get to the first article. A man in Florida discovers a World War II hand grenade and drives it to a local Taco Bell. Why? I don't know. Let's find out. A good thing to do if you ever happen to find a grenade is to immediately call the authorities, as one man has evidently just learned. A Taco Bell in Ocala, Florida, was evacuated on Saturday after a man reportedly stumbled upon a hand grenade while magnet fishing and drove it to a local Taco Bell. The Ocala Police Department said Saturday... The man was not identified by police on social media but he had been reported he had reportedly been magnet fishing in a neighboring Oklawaha in Oklawaha when he discovered the grenade. Police said that after having arrived at the first food restaurant, he dialed 911. It's not clear why he chose to transport it to talk about before alerting the authorities, but no one was hurt by the in the incident. The department said that a bomb squad with the Marion County Sheriff's Office was present to ensure everyone's safety. The bomb squad removed the grenade without incident and advised it would be disposed of properly, the Ocala Police Department said in a statement. Man reportedly alerted, alerted, ew, the man reportedly alerted the authorities around 5 p.m. local time according to police, at which time Taco Bell was evacuated. The Ocala Police Department tweeted around 6.45 p.m. that the restaurant had reopened for service. Interestingly, interestingly, the cops identified the grenade as an authentic World War II hand grenade, though it's not clear what kind. An image appears to show it could be a US MK2 grenade, which reached out to, be, to the department. We reached out to the department for more information and we'll update this post if we hear back magnet fishing turning up relic weaponry is actually not as uncommon as you might think the bbc reported last year that bomb squads in the uk are regularly called to magnet fishing sites where people have turned up even live ammunition one teen who spoke with the bbc about the hobby told the outlet he'd hauled in guns and even a live grenade while magnet fishing as the bbc noted and as you have probably surmised, it is for this exact reason that the hobby can be dangerous. Bum, bum, bum. So the next article coming in is uh, goes like this: uh, Someone started a fire at common ping pong in the infamous Pizzagate restaurant. So if you haven't heard that episode, but I did an episode about Pizzagate and. Um Elsa Gate. Uh so if you don't know what those are, why don't you go check that episode out so you can get that information? Cause Comet Ping Pong Pizza, Comet Pizza, which is in Washington DC Washington, DC, is actually pretty much spoken in that episode a lot, I think, if I remember. So anyways, Comet Ping Pong, the pizza parlor at the center of the 2016 elections bizarre pizzagate conspiracy theory. Can't catch a break. An unidentified suspect broke into the restaurant on Wednesday and intentionally set fires. According to the Washington Post, arson investigators found burned matches on the floor below curtains in a back room of the restaurant, as well as an open bottle of lighter fluid on a table. The curtains caught fire, but the flames were extinguished by staff before the fire spread further. On Friday, the Washington, D.C. Arson Explosives Task Force released a photo of the suspect, who appears to be a male between 25 and 30 years old, with a mustache and beard and blonde hair, wearing a varsity-style jacket. Gene. in 2016 another man edgar madison welch entered the restaurant armed with an assault rifle because he believed the pizzagate conspiracy theories claiming it was a hub for child sex trafficking welch pleaded guilty to assault a weapons charge in 2017 and received a four-year prison sentence common owner james elefantis said he didn't have reason to believe the fire was linked to the conspiracy theories but he still rece- but said he still receives prank calls which he reports to the police. That's what they want you to think. I'm telling you, he's fucking in on it, man. Get your tin hat foil out because he's fucking in on it. I know he is. I mean, listen to his name. His name is J. James Elefantes. And Elefantes almost is close to like how you say infant in fucking French. Le Infant. I'm not joking. Look that up. It, it really is true. But, anyways, um, I mean,. He's probably not, but he is kind of a weirdo, and a lot of his posts on his Instagram, which I give detail into the episode of Pizzagate and uh, Elsagate, is, uh, is questionable at least, nonetheless. Here's the next article Man says emotional support alligator helps his depression. Hmm, maybe I should get in support alligator. <laughs> a Pennsylvania man says his emotional support alligator helps him deal with his depression. 65 year old Joey Henny of yorkhaven says his registered emotional support animal named wally oh that's an awesome name wally the gator likes to snuggle and give hugs despite being a five foot long alligator philly.com reports henny says he received approval from his doctor to use wally as his emotional support animal after not wanting to go on medication for depression wally was rescued from outside orlando at 14 months old Henny says Wally eats chicken wings and shares an indoor plastic pond with a smaller rescue alligator named Scrappy. Henny acknowledges that Wally is still a dangerous wild animal and could probably tear his arm off, but says he's never been afraid of him. Dude, I can't wait till the next article that comes out when it says like he's fucking dead because his alligator just ripped his throat out one day. She did a death roll on him. Oh, man. I get, I, oh, God. If I was a betting man, I would say that's probably how it's going to go down. I hate to be so fucking just a pessimistic person, but I feel like that's what's going to happen. Cause it's always those people, but who knows maybe. <laughs> Cause it's like, Oh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but on YouTube there was these, it was like during like the big, be- not, I wouldn't say the beginning, but close to the beginning times of when YouTube started in the long, long ago <laughs> of YouTube. Uh, but there was like this viral video of this it came from a documentary i think or something somebody made i don't fucking know but it was about these guys who rescued a lion and they rescued him and they they brought him back to health he was on the verge of dying and the the, the, the people rescued him and and then uh they released him back into the wild when you know one day and they haven't seen him for like three fucking years or something like that and one day they decide to go back to see if the lion is there and if he's okay living in the wild and the the little video is like oh and what you would you wouldn't believe what happens next and the lion like sees him he's kind of like hesitant at first like i don't know you guys maybe i do and then all of a sudden you see the lion run at him and you think the lion's just gonna fucking eat him but no he ends up like it's a touching moment and they play like Sad music or touching music, and like the lion's like hugging them, and you see them hugging them. But I, I like in the video, if you watch it, go back and watch it. Even in the video, it almost looks like they're kind of hesitant at first, like, Fuck, am I gonna die? <laughs> but yeah, I guess the lion remembers them and it's all happy to see them again. So who knows? Maybe the alligator could be like that lion. But I always wanted it because I'm just a fucking dark person. I always, it would have been funny if the lion just straight up just fucking attacked him. <laughs> Um, like that episode of fucking American dad when when they do that little bit. and I think it's a bear or something or a wolf. I think it's a wolf and the wolf just attacks fucking uh, Roger. I always, I love American dad. It's funny. Student. Here's the next article. Student allegedly calls in hoax bomb threat to avoid seeing parents. That sounds a lot like me. An e- easy jet flight taking off in France had to be diverted last week because of a fake bomb threat. On January eighteenth, flight EZY-4319 from Lyon to Rennes was in the air when authorities received an anonymous call that suggested a bomb could be on the plane. The pilots returned to Lyon, but no bomb was found. Authorities investigated the call and said the person behind the threat was a 23-year-old college student in Rennes. He allegedly didn't want his parents. Whoever wrote this article has really bad typos, even worse than me. He allegedly didn't want to see his parents. Oh, wait. He allegedly didn't want his parents who were on the flight to visit him, according to the mirror. Never mind, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, person who wrote the article. It is me who is illiterate as fuck. Police took the identified suspect into custody and have charged him with false news compromising the safety of an aircraft in flight, according to the Independent. I the next court date is May 21st. If convicted, the alleged hoaxer could face up to five years in prison and a fine of nearly $85,000, the Independent reported. Jesus, was it worth it, man? You should have just went to go see your parents, bro. Anyways, next article is a woman reunited with massage in a bottle. She tossed, oh my God, I am illiterate as fuck woman reunited with message in a bottle she tossed into the sea years ago. How the fuck could you be reunited with a massage? A British woman experienced a real blast from the past when a message in a bottle that she threw into the sea more than 17 years ago was returned to her. Emily Edwards, 25, said she was a 7-year-old vacationing in Wales when she wrote a note to her future self and tossed it into the ocean. Edwards forgot about the bottle until a runner named Sam Hammond Found it last week, almost sixty miles away from where she dropped it into the briny blue. The ink had faded over the years, and all Hammond could recognize was Emily's name and a postal code for Telford, where she lived at the time she wrote the note Hammond's mum <laughs> I don't know why they ha- why did they have to write it like this, this is a fucking American fucking website anyways Hammond's mom, Sue Cookson, told the BBC that her son found the bottle on the beach and the family thought it would be fun to try and reunite it with the sender. That happened after a photo of the faded note was posted on social media. Edwards was stunned when she realized her past was coming back to haunt her. I phoned my dad looking for confirmation that I wasn't going mad, but he confirmed that I did indeed send the message as a seven-year-old. Can't get my head around how it hasn't been picked up as litter or anything like that, before now she added edwards now hopes to repeat the message in a bottle routine with her own infant daughter it's a brilliant story to tell my little girl when she's older and we can try doing the same when she understands a bit more and hopefully maybe hers will come back one day she added you can see edwards open up the bottle in a video on social media all you have to do is just look her up woman reunited with not a massage but a message in a bottle uh, I remember hearing, um, I because as a kid, I would come home for school. Um, I think I was in, like, junior high. I would come home for school. And I used to love watching Ripley's Believe It or Not, or, like, Guinness World Records show. Um, but on Ripley's Believe It or Not, they had told a story about a little girl who had wrote a letter. And she did the same thing pretty much that this girl did. But she tied it to a balloon. And she just let it go in her backyard. And I think, like... Three or two years later, she received a letter um, from somebody who found it. But the odd thing about it was the letter that was sent to her was from had her same name and everything. So she basically met a girl that found her balloon with the letter that had the same name and last name as her as well. They weren't related. They just happened to be coincidentally just them. Like they had their same name, and first name and last name. And they became friends after that. So I thought that was a pretty cool little thing. You know what show I used to like watching too is Ripley's Believe or Not, uh, Guinness World Records, and a show called Real TV. If anybody knows what Real TV is, what's up? Okay, so here we go to the last article of This Week in Crime. And that is, Hawaiian Airlines plane is diverted after a flight attendant dies. A flight from Hawaii to New York was diverted when a flight attendant died on board. Three hours into a Hawaiian Airlines flight from Honolulu to New York this week, the captain came over the loudspeaker and asked if there was any doctors on board. A flight attendant was having a medical emergency. Just another reason why I don't like to fly. You fucking people just drop dead in airplanes, man. Doctors and crew members performed CPR on Emily Griffith when she suddenly fell ill Thursday night. But Griffith, a 31-year-old veteran of the airline, did not survive, unfortunately. The flight had 253 passengers and 12 crew members and was diverted to San Francisco for, for an early landing. Hawaiian Airlines officials said on Friday, We are deeply saddened by the loss of Emily Griffith, who passed away while working on her flight between Honolulu and New York last night. Hawaiian air officials said in a statement Friday, we are forever grateful for Emily's colleagues and good Samaritans on board who stayed by his side and provided. Oh my God, I'm so dumb. That's Emil. (sighs) You know, it it just occurred to me, guys. I think I am illiterate. I think I'm either idiot or illiterate. We'll go with both. But it's Emil. (laughs) I was reading it as Emily. Oh, fail. We are forever grateful for Emil's colleagues and good Samaritans on board who stayed by his side and provided extensive medical help. (laughs) Author Andrea Bartz was aboard the flight and tweeted when it happened. It's been a long time since they asked for doctors to come to first class, so I hope they're okay. She tweeted at the time. First time I've ever had a flight diverted. Somehow, waiting for medics to board, she tweeted. After the flight was redirected, the airline said passengers were booked on the first available flights. Hawaiian Airlines has made counseling available for employees. So it's Emil Griffith. Not Emily, but Emil Griffith. I'm very sorry, folks. Please bear with me during this troubling time. Uh, but uh, it's a good thing it's, it's ending. So that's the last article I have for you guys. And it's a good, like I said, it's a good thing it's ending. Uh, but thank you for joining me on this week in crime. And um, finally, I'm going to be announcing the giveaway. I have already told you the details of what's going to be in the giveaway, but it's going to be um, it's going to be a T-shirt that you guys will be winning with the logo of Strange Talk Podcast, plus a mug, a coffee mug. You don't have to use it for coffee; you can use it for alcohol if you like, or why not both? Um, and it's going to have Strange Talk podcast logo on it as well plus a funko pop and that funko pop is going to be the it funko pop but if you already have it and you happen to win and you already own that funko pop be sure to let me know in a dm that hey, i already have that one and i'll send you something else that you don't have you know maybe a shoe maybe a lock of my hair maybe a vial of my blood who knows but if you the details of the giveaway have yet to be released i haven't decided of exactly how i want to do it because like i said i don't want to keep doing we're like do a hashtag and then hashtag this and because i don't want to keep doing that i still want to do something creative so i'm sorry but it, it is happening i reached a thousand followers so please don't unfollow me yet don't unfollow me yet but i did reach a thousand followers so it's going to be happening just be patient with me good things take time so you know bear with me but, anyways, if you have an interesting news article or a weird news article, strange article, funny article, anything related to news, you can send it to me via Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast by sliding into that DM. Or you can send it to me via email if you want to be more professional. And you can send it to Strange Talk at Outlook.com. We. So, you know, I'm saying I have a Patreon, guys, you know. And right now I only have two tiers, but with those two tiers, you will be getting access to bonus episodes. I have only a few Patreons, you know, so go ahead and, uh, you know, why don't you just, uh, want to? So if you want to support the podcast, go ahead and do so by going to patreon.com slash strange talk podcast and, and, you know, supporting something you enjoy. If you enjoy it, if you feel I deserve it, you know, I'm not going to beg but uh, yeah, uh, if you guys want more episodes, you know, because uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 did release and it's taken up a lot of my time and I don't really have a lot of time. So if you want me to focus on on just doing the podcast and, you know, why don't you guys provide me by supporting podcasts so that I can just stay home and I don't have to work my job. But anyways, um, yeah, so thank you for joining me at, um, on this episode of this week in crime i hope you guys enjoyed it i hope uh, please again go watch the documentary of abducted in plain sight so you can be on my side because i'm pretty sure most of you hearing this blaming the parents especially because it comes with sexual abuse and everything please i it, it i'm sorry it is the parents fault they're partly to blame they let it happen and i'm going to keep driving that home please change my mind if you I'm I'm gonna be like that Steven Crowder guy. I fucking hate that dude because he he's kind of a douchebag sometimes. Um, he tries to come off as like he's smart and you know intelligent and he, like his arguments are you know plausible. Some of them can be, but most of the time he's just a douchebag about it. There's a way to come off in a decent manner, but he comes off kind of douchebaggy. Is uh, douchebagness. You know he kind of comes off that way. But anyways, um, just if you don't even know who he is or whatever but please just change my mind but i really do feel like their parents are to blame for what happened to their daughter um of course they weren't the ones responsible for uh, you know doing what he fucking did he sexually abused a fucking underage minor you know but they allowed it to happen in a sense because they let him Come and, and into their lives the like, way they did, and sure they made the mistake of you know he, the father fucking jerked him off, the mother slept with him. But uh, you just own up to what you did, and you fucking press charges on the guy. You don't just say, hey, here you go, here's my daughter on a fucking silver platter. But like I said, it's my opinion, and I'm sorry if it offends you, but it is my opinion that it's the parents are to blame. But go ahead and go watch that documentary so you can decide for yourself: are the parents stupid? And dumb for letting happen what happened to their daughter. Or or am I just a fucking asshole? Uh, So again, (laughs) thank you for joining me on this week in crime. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, As always, stay strange. And be sure to be following me on Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast. So you can get the details on the giveaway. Because it's happening. I will be releasing the pictures of what you'll be getting tomorrow. So Thursday. Because I'm recording this on Tuesday. But it's going to be releasing on Wednesday. It's very confusing. So uh, yeah. Thank you. And as always, stay fucking strange.